Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host. We have a full show that I recorded with Joe that will be coming after this, but I'm currently in the Park Hyatt Chicago. I was invited by Hyatt to their Chicago headquarters to talk about program changes for 2024. They did pay for my flights and hotels, so I want to disclose that up front, but we made no agreement on how I would cover this or how I would talk about this. But there are a lot of changes coming for World of Hyatt in 2024. Things that you should know about, things you should get excited about. So let's get into it. Starting with Guest of Honor. So Hyatt is redoing Guest of Honor. And what Guest of Honor is, if you don't know, it's a globalist is able to use points from their own account to book a Guest of Honor booking for another person. And that person will get all the globalist benefits when they're at the property. So it's really cool. And it's a great way to gift your status to somebody else for a stay, but it's limited. You can't do cash stays and the points have to be in your account. Some people got around this by using points transfers, meaning you would book it for somebody else, then they would transfer the points to you. And there were some abuses of the program, I would say, because it's an unlimited sort of perk currently. So that is changing. And here is how it will be in 2024 and beyond. First off, you'll be able to use cash and points. This is a big improvement. So it's not just the point stay, but it's cash and points. And you'll actually earn Guest of Honor awards. So it's no longer an unlimited benefit for globalists. It's part of their expanded milestone rewards program, which I'll talk about in a second. But just like you get suite upgrade awards or club access certificates, you will get Guest of Honor awards that you can then apply to a booking. You can also transfer these to somebody else. And a new thing with the IT for Hyatt, and I'll talk about this more in a minute, is that you can transfer and book these online, which is amazing because currently you have to call or you can go through social media or your high concierge to get a guest of honor booking done. But under this current expanded version of the benefit, you will be able to do it online and you'll be able to do a lot more online than before with other things too, which I'll get into. Overall, I think this is a improvement for guest of honor, even if we are losing the unlimited ability to redeem it. Executives from World of Hyatt said that the average member redeems it about twice a year. And under the new program, you'll be able to earn up to 10 guest of honor awards per year. So you will be able to have quite a few of these. We will talk about that. But before we go on to milestone rewards, which do include these guest of honor certificates, and there's a lot for me to cover here, and I apologize, it's a little confusing. We do have a full post on the site going over every single thing I'm talking about in great detail. So make sure to head to milestonememories.com. You should see it on the site and you can kind of look at it while you listen to it and break it down. Before we go on to milestone rewards, let me mention two more things. First, this is the first time that Guest of Honor is expanded beyond Globalist. You'll be able to get it at 40 nights to start and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's not just for Globalists anymore. And second, as a one-time gift, if you have Globalist status as of December 31st, 2023, on January, 1st, 2024, you will get five of these Guest of Honor awards on your account. They will be good for all of 2024 and into 2025, given to current Globalist members. So now let's talk about milestone rewards. And this is a big change. So currently, Hyatt has milestone rewards for every 10 nights to 100 nights. They're changing that to expand their loyalty. Talking more about how, as other companies retreat away from the loyalty space, make things less rewarding, given their size and their way to compete, that they have to do better. And that's what they're trying to do. So with Milestone Rewards, you can now earn rewards every 10 nights up to 150 nights. I think they're the first program to go all the way up to 150 nights. That's a lot. And uh, it does pay quite a lot. But let's start with some of the new benefits that they're adding along the way. Head to the website so you can see a chart of how this is all broken down. It's very hard to describe it in voice, but there are some new awards and you earn your first milestone reward at 20 nights. But let's start with 30 nights and 60 nights. Right now at 30 nights, you're going to get a category one through four certificate and that's still going to happen under the new program. So that's very good. You're not losing anything there. You also have a choice when uh, on most of these tiers between earning points, some sort of perk to enhance your stay while on property, and then a well-being perk, something that will enhance your well-being. Those are your three sort of options, but at certain tiers, you actually get something plus a choice. And 30 nights is a good example of that. You get the category one through four cert, plus you can choose between a 2K next day award, two club access awards, or a $25 find credit. So let's describe some of these new things. The 2K next day award, you're going to earn 2000 bonus points on your next day within 180 days at a Hyatt place, Hyatt house, caption, or your Cove hotel. So this is a new perk, not one we've seen before. You get to this level, you choose this award. The next time you stay at one of those brands, as long as it's within 180 days of earning the award, you will get 2000 points. Club access awards are here. This is actually better than before because you can gift these to somebody else. So right now, if you're a globalist member and you earn these as you go up, you don't really need club access awards because you have club access, but you can't give them to somebody else. You can't allow family members to use them. But under this new program, you will be able to transfer them to somebody else, which is a good thing. Otherwise, they work mostly like before. There are find experience credits. Now, find experience 
bonuses or you can redeem points or big cash for special experiences. As part of this invitation to Chicago, they gave us a uh, spirit tasting experience at the Milk Room at the Chicago Athletic Association. That was really cool, but they have hundreds of different experiences. And depending on the level that you hit, starting at 20 nights, you can get a $25 fine credit. The highest available is $300 when you hit 70, 80, or 90 nights. So you can really start to add those up. And the good thing is you can stack these. You get a code and you can stack them. So if you want to kind of collect fine credits so that you can save up towards a more expensive experience, you can do that as well. Suite upgrade awards are on milestone rewards as well, just like they are now. That's an upgrade to a standard suite at the time of booking on stays up to seven nights. While a lot of this stuff can be booked online now, unfortunately, suite upgrade awards are just like they were before. You have to call in to get them applied. As you get to the higher tiers here, and again, head to the website so you can see this chart, it makes it so much easier. You can get a Miraval extra night on an eligible paid or award stay you can get an extra night at Miraval. So buy one night, get one free. The best part of this is that you can earn it at multiple levels and you can stack these as well. For example, using two of them on a four night stay to get two free nights. And then the last perk, now this comes at 150 nights. So take this with what you will. I mean, it's something that most people won't get, but they are launching an ultimate free night award. And it is exactly what you think it is. One free night at any participating category one through eight hotel or category A through F all inclusive or Miraval Resorts double occupancy on those. So you really have the ability to go anywhere essentially in the Hyatt portfolio. When Hyatt launched category eight, a lot of people wondered if they would launch a cert to go with it. And here we go. Although again, admittedly, it is very hard to earn, but the fact that it exists is a good thing. Maybe we'll see it in promos, different things. If it didn't exist, it was hard for them to give it to us. Now that it exists, maybe they can expand it over time. But for now, 150 nights, that's how you're gonna get that coveted one through eight certificate. But they did also add a new category one through seven certificate at 100 nights and a bunch of stuff along the way. Really hard for me to describe exactly what you get at every level. So check out the chart once again. But basically every 10 stays, you're going to get something and they're making this easier than ever to use online. Previously, when you hit a milestone, you would get an email and you would have to claim your reward. Now that's going to be in the app or on your home screen when you log in. So you're not going to be able to forget about it. Or, you know, if you forget a click, you lose it after a certain amount of time, at least it's there in your account when you see it, and that'll make things a lot easier. What will also make things a lot easier is the ability to transfer a lot of these things online. While I don't have the ability to show you any of this, even on the website, I was shown some slides of how this will all work, and it looks great. It looks very simple. You'll be able to transfer club access awards, the 2K Next Day Award, even free night certificates to another member so that they can book them, and you can do it all online without having to call or anything like that. Like I said earlier, the Sweet Upgrade Awards, unfortunately, still not gonna be online. Points transfers, still not Coming online. The form is still going to be there. Hyatt says that they're always working to improve the program and they're taking feedback. So this may be something that comes in the future, but it is not something that is part of these changes, nor is it anything that they've announced. I hope they do it because points transfers online would be an amazing uh, sort of thing. A couple other caveats, the concierge that you get at 60 nights, that's not giftable. But like I said, free night certs, club access awards, guest of honor awards are all transferable. And while I uh, review my notes, you also still cannot stack multiple awards. For example, you can't take a sweet upgrade award and mix it with a free night certificate. That's the same as under current rules. Unfortunately, they didn't change that. Again, they're open to feedback, always trying to improve the guest experience. So maybe this is something that we will see in the future. We did mention it to them. Let's hope that they'll be able to allow you to do those sorts of things. Now, if you're an advisor or somebody who plans meetings, that's changing as well. You'll be able to earn two elite qualifying nights for every 5,000 in revenue, basically, that you bring in for the rooms that you book. This also applies to travel advisors, privé agents, also event planners and stuff. So while not a huge part of what we talk about here, I think for a certain aspect of people, this will be a great way to earn elite qualifying nights for that. And while I'm talking about this, and I apologize, there was just a ton of information. I just got it. I'm trying to relay it to you in real time because of getting it today as sort of the podcast comes out. I don't have a lot of turnaround time on this, but I did want to mention one thing with Guest of Honor that's different that I did not mention before. And this is a great thing. The gifter of Guest of Honor, the person who gifts it to somebody else gets an elite qualifying night now when the stay is completed as a gift. So let's say you book a guest of honor for your friend and you can still book it the old fashioned way. You can still use points in your account. You can still call them and they'll book guest of honor for you. But now you'll have the award, the ability to transfer it to their account and they can just book their thing. Either way, you'll get that one qualifying night. So if let's say a friend uses guest of honor for a five night stay, you'll get one elite qualifying night when they complete the stay. They'll get their normal qualifying nights just as they normally would. So this is an improvement. And every time you use one of those, you earn a night, which is great as well. I think there's a few things I didn't cover. Head to the site, 
I have the full post, the full breakdown from all of my notes, everything we discussed with Hyatt. I think overall these program changes are positive. I don't use Guest of Honor nearly all that much, so I don't see this as a huge loss. I feel like we're getting more out of the other tiers, and I don't know why. Maybe I'm crazy, but the ability to do a lot of this stuff online and transfer stuff to me is very exciting, even though it's just simple IT stuff. They are doing a lot of work to improve their stuff, and they've been doing that for a while. We've seen that with Hyatt continually improving because their experience hasn't been as good as maybe some others over time or as easy with things like transfers and stuff like that. What I like about this is Hyatt is putting out that they are expanding their loyalty, that they're making it better, and they're doing that, giving guests a more robust way to earn perks along the way. They didn't change any of the elite member perks here, so that part of the program has not changed and will not be changing in 2024. Pretty much all the benefits that you get now at the various levels will continue. So basically, the milestone rewards, this is it. 20 to 150 nights every 10 nights along the way. You're going to earn something. You're going to be able to do experiences. You can just take bonus points, and uh, you'll get all those other awards and perks along the way. I think it's a great thing, but I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on X at Miles to Memories. Leave a comment on the post on the site. If you have any questions, I can answer them for you. Thanks for listening. Now let's hit it with the original show. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Joe, we took Thanksgiving off. I don't know. Have we ever done that before? I don't think so, but Joe needed the week off. We still did all the Vegas content, but I needed a week off too. So sorry to miss everybody last week, but I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, Joe, and everybody out there as well. Indeed, indeed. To our American listeners, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you like, do you normally do, are you in charge of the turkey in your family, extended family? So it's a long story, but no, we alternate. So some years we just do our own little thing, but usually I go to one brother or the other and we sort of alternate between them because they have their like established Thanksgivings with their other sides of the family. And I don't know, it gets complicated. Sometimes we travel too. So there's no like set Thanksgiving for us. But this year, we just went to my brother's house. Sounds good. We were at my mother-in-law's who is local. My sister-in-law's family came up from North Carolina as well. So it was a nice time. Actually, my parents came up after Thanksgiving. So they're here right now and they're just hanging out. So my kids are enjoying time with our extended family. So it's been good, but it was good to take the week off. I get a little bit of rest. I really needed it. I slept a ton. Normal, like it used to be, I don't know about you, Sean. And I like, I know it's different for teachers, but in my twenties on like Thanksgiving break, I used to be up to like 3am every single night and then just like wake up at 10 or 11 or whatever, but still get like the same amount of normal sleep. But this Thanksgiving, like my body just crashed. I was like falling asleep at like nine o'clock and waking up at nine o'clock, you know, sleeping 12 hours or waking up whenever the kids finally woke me up. So, you know, my body can't handle these, these breaks anymore or, or it's different. My body needs to recover during them. The big thing for me as I got older is just, I wake up early every day. It's very hard for me to sleep in anymore. And so if I decide to like stay up late, I'm burning the candle at both ends because I'm not typically sleeping in and getting the sleep. Whereas, you know, if I would stay up till three and I push through it, I would love to be able to sleep till 10 or 11 if I have the opportunity, but I'm usually up by seven uh, or eight. But yeah, it was a great weekend. A lot of holiday shopping, quote unquote, a lot of interesting deals. Uh, I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later uh, as well. But I did want to know, Joe, how was the bus? You said you took the bus to get home from school today. I don't know if you want to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> said, or not, but I, I said, want to know what the Boston bus experience was. I said public transportation. So I did not actually oh, okay. take the bus. I took oh, the, the train. Sorry. Yes. I took the train, which is, you know, my son hurt. Oh, it's because my parents are here and, you know, they're doing us a favor. We don't have Costco membership and we are like running low on all the things that went out of stock during the pandemic, like uh, toilet paper, paper towels, stuff like that. And so, you know, my dad said, if I could lend him my car, he could pick up that stuff for us. So he did do that. Thanks, Dad. But because of that, you know, I took the subway. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk actually in Boston in particular about how the subway infrastructure has not been good and it's going to take like a ton of money and also a ton of downtime to fix. And lo and behold, I was stuck at a station. This is not to come to this podcast. This is going into the city. I was stuck at a station for like 15 minutes. They were just like, I don't know. They didn't even say. And it was like super crowded. It was like the one, the stop right before everyone gets off, which is not my stop. I get off later. And so, yeah, but it was nice to take the public transportation. We actually went to the Nutcracker last night. We got 50% off tickets when they had a sale like a couple months ago. And my dad, who also came with us, 
doing us another favor, took my son on the subway down. It was definitely his favorite part about the Nutcracker, taking the subway down. And he was pretty mad that we made him take the car back because, you know, it was a school night. I've heard that Boston's trains, their subway is notoriously bad. The one time I rode it, this was a while ago, but they were doing work on like a couple stations. So we were staying outside the city. So we rode it in and then it would stop at the station. They got made you get off, take a bus, two stations up, and then get back on the train to resume. And yeah, that seems like based on everybody else's observations, not the best subway system in the country. Although we don't have great subway systems in this country anyway. I know New Yorkers are going to scream at me. But when you go to like Asia, you see these new sort of modern subway systems. They, yeah, I mean, you, you can't compete when you're built 100 years ago, right? So you can't really blame them. I mean, I, I'm assuming Boston's subway goes back that far, right? Yeah. And I, I think I really think New York is the exception, not the rule. I mean, in terms of coverage, Boston has gotten a lot better, but you know, they have just recently extended one of the lines. And like one of the things that they talk about is that, you know, basically it was like built wrong in the first place. And so, you know, they need to shut the whole thing down. And like what you said described, that happens all the time, especially on the line that I'm on, which is the orange line. It's like, they'll be like, oh, after Sullivan Square, you're going to have to take a bus the rest of the way. Or in a worst case scenario, you take a bus, get off and then get back on the train. And every time they are doing these fixes, it's just like triage. Um, and so, you know, that is, I mean, that is the, that's the problem of being first with technology sometimes, um, because really, you know, New York is pretty great and there are other cities that have good subway systems in America, but you know, the Asian cities, they like, they built it like so much later, even, even Hong Kong feels a little bit old, like in the sense that there's a lot less accessible. This is, I learned this when I had a stroller. There's a lot less elevators and accessibility because the system's a little bit older. But still, you know, I do love the subways in Asia. I mean, I could I could ride the trains in uh, Japan all day. And again, my son's dream. Yeah, trains are good. You know, subways are still good too, even if they're they're good or bad. I just it's always a novelty to me because I live in a city with over three million people here, and we just have a terrible bus system. That's our only way to get around. And literally, if you wanted to get to the other side of town. You know, you're talking three hours on the bus, which is insane. So it's just not a good system. So any system is better than what we have in Vegas. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, while we're on the topic of New York, I actually wanted to, this is, you know, I'll put it out to you because I know you have a lot of experience, but a lot of times I know when I share this kind of stuff, listeners have a lot of good advice. So I think I've said on this podcast before that typically over the next break that's coming up, the Christmas holiday break, typically my wife and I go to New York City to stay one night. And the last few years, we've been staying at the Park Hyatt New York. But of course, now my stupid globalist suite, no, not, not suite, excuse me, my stupid globalist free night certificate is only category one through seven, doesn't cover the Park Hyatt New York anymore. Uh, I, I looked, it's because it's over the holidays too. You know, I, I was ready. I was ready to maybe bite the bullet and pay 35,000 points for it like because that's what a category eight is and i was thinking about doing that but because you know of peak off peak nonsense it's forty five thousand. i'm like you know what you know we're not even gonna spend that much time in the hotel room i'm not gonna spend 45 i just want to use my hotel cert so right now i have the andas fifth avenue booked i wanted the thompson central park however that was not available for points or award night booking but you know i'm curious if you have other suggestions of hotels i should at least check out and let's you know we're pretty open like i think we'd like to be in manhattan but we're pretty open to where we could be and the the cert is for good for categories one through seven so what do you got for me thompson and andas i think are both category six i mean they both covered by the cert for for sure and i'm gonna switch to the thompson if it shows up but if not what suggestions you have I haven't stated either of those, but I've heard good things about them. I think the big problem in New York City is the rooms at the Park Hyatt are just steps above any other rooms in any other Hyatt, because a lot of them are small. But I've heard good things about Onda's Fifth Avenue and the Thompson. I've only stayed at the other Thompson, the Guild Hall, as far as the Thompson goes in New York City. But yeah, hopefully people can reach out to you on Twitter at As the Joe Flies so they can hit you up with with, with their favorite Hyatts. But yeah, it's sad with the Park Hyatt New York. Maybe Hyatt will soon add the top-up feature so that we can finally do it since they maybe they're getting pressure from their competitors since we're seeing more and more companies do it now. Yeah, I would love to do that. So Thompson, the Guild Hall one, is that it's further downtown, right? And did you like that one? 
It's cheaper though, I think. I was trying to, I'm trying Yeah, I, it's I'm, cheaper. I'm falling into my own trap, Sean, which is, you know, I always say like you should just use the cert and not try to get the max value. But you know, with the central the Central Park one, if I can use it, I'm at least oh, it's at least a category six. But yeah, how do you feel about that one, the Guild Hall one? I liked it. It's not as fancy as you would expect with a Thompson, especially the newer Thompson builds. Uh, has the you know that theme to it like it's very uh, masculine i would say as a hotel but i liked it the one time i stayed there was upgraded to a suite which was very nice uh it's real it's very close to wall street it's very far downtown if you have hilton certs well maybe not you but maybe just put this out there for other people the conrad midtown great use of a hilton certs great location love that hotel and you know most of the rooms are suites there so if you have diamond status you'll probably get upgraded to like a one bedroom suite they have very few standard rooms there which makes it tougher now because they used to allow you to book the cert into the one bedroom suite and i think they changed it so you can only book into a standard room uh but uh, there's another suggestion for people looking to use certs in new york city because i love that hotel and unlike so many new york city hotels the rooms are big the location is great and it's modern. It's a brand new hotel. It only opened a couple of years ago. So the rooms are all are all modern there. Uh, similar to Park Hyatt, I guess, in that way, that uh, very modern, great location, all that good stuff. Yeah, we stayed at the Andaz just so I can give my experience. My daughter was like one or two, my first daughter. So it was like eight years ago. And you know, I remember it being a pretty nice stay. I think at the time, like they didn't have breakfast and I was looking at some reviews online that were saying that like the breakfast wasn't very good or like non-existent. So I'm not like loving the idea of staying there. And I guess, I guess that's again, talking about, you know, trying to quote unquote, maximize your cert. You also have to think about things like, and you know, I've been trying to, with every place we're looking at, we're looking at making sure that globalist parking is included and all that kind of stuff you kind of have to add all that stuff up because yeah maybe the andas is a category six or whatever and thompson guild hall is a category four but you know if breakfast is better or if you even get breakfast you know all those things you got to weigh in and so i'm trying to figure out all those factors as well of course just outsourcing it to the crowd is you know i'm just gonna ask everyone to do it for me because i'm too lazy so while we're talking New York City Hyatt Hotels, I'll add a couple other things of flavor. The other Andaz, the one at Wall Street, now is the Hyatt-centric, I think. I don't know how well they've renovated those rooms, but that's very close to Guild Hall. So for people who are looking at those two hotels and you want to be downtown, I feel like the location is interchangeable. It's just a matter of which hotel you want. I did not like the Andaz Wall Street, but again, I don't know what changes they made since they switched it to centric. And then just a shout out to the Hyatt Place Long Island City. If you're looking for something a little cheaper, I think it's a category four. I think it used to be a category three, but it is one stop, I think, away or a couple stops away from Manhattan. So you can get into Manhattan in less than 10 minutes. So it's actually a lot closer than a lot of the hotels, depending on where you're going in Manhattan, than staying in Manhattan. And so that's a shout out. I've stayed there as well. And I know some people do the Jersey City ones, but the Long Island City Hyatt Place, super easy for those types of trips where you don't want a fancy hotel and you just need to get into the city. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, that area is booming where that is too. So there's a lot of new stuff around there. So I feel like we did a good job covering New York Hyatts and you can get your feedback and everybody can uh, let us know what's the best Hyatt deal in New York City now. I do miss the Park Hyatt in New York. It's been, I think, four years now. I think 2019 was the last time I stayed there. And as you point out, without... I always use certs, so with I'm not paying forty thousand, forty five thousand a night. So, like I said, Hyatt, please give us the ability to top up, so we can go to some of these nicer category eights without having to spend all of the points. Yeah, I was like, you know, tilting my head sideways and like trying to make it work. And I, I think for my birthday, you know, over the if if it was off, if it wasn't on peak for my birthday over the holidays, like I could stomach. 35,000 and, you know, let that go. But like 45,000, I was just like, that, that's way too much. I mean, it would feel so much better to do a cert and 10,000 or something like that. So, you know, hopefully one day I know we're just, just trying to will these things in existence, but you know, hopefully one day the top up feature will exist for Hyatt's. So let's debrief Black Friday or Cyber Monday or all this. I just want to talk about the overwhelming amount of deals. Now that's the case every year. And maybe I'm just getting older and it's getting harder for me to keep up with them. But throughout this weekend, I spent a lot of time sort of tuned in to stuff, a lot of it for reselling, a lot of it for toys. But there were a lot of deals going on that I think are interesting for people. And, you know, one of them was the streaming deals. And so I thought I would talk about this because every year, like, for example, the last four years, Hulu has run a special on Thanksgiving or Black Friday or whatever. 
Sometimes it's been 99 cents a month for a year. Sometimes it's 199. They brought that back this year, 99 cents a month. So what did I do? I just canceled my account that I got last year and got a new account. And I've done that for four years in a row. The only thing you lose, I guess, is all the personalization, which I don't really care about. So you got to recreate your profiles and all of that. But we saw that a great deal. Also, I think if you add Disney Plus, it's $2 more. So you're $2.99 a month for Disney Plus and Hulu. Of course, the big downside, Joe, is the ad. These are the ad supported versions, which is basically what the streaming model is going to now. They learned that this whole new premium subscription thing didn't give them nearly as much money. So basically, they're falling back on the ad model that supported television forever. And so what they're doing is they're raising the prices of their ad-free tiers higher and higher while trying to basically force you into the ad-supported tiers because they make more money doing that. But if they're going to give it to you for a couple bucks a month, it's always nice uh, to do that. We saw Wall Street Journal with a great one. So just while we're still in this holiday season, there's going to be a lot of deals. I know some of these are gone, but there may be some more. And just remember to jump on them. Also remember your digital entertainment credit with your Amex Platinum card that can take care of some of this. But have you done that where you're just like riding the promos and canceling signing up every year? The only reason I didn't do it with Disney Plus before now is because I had originally signed up for that three-year deal. And then I didn't realize that it renewed last year without before I canceled it. And anyway, so now I'm finally on the, the treadmill with, or the hamster wheel with both Hulu and Disney Plus. Yeah. And Max too. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's so frustrating. I, so I used to do that with, you know, I was doing it with Apple TV for a while, especially because I think Apple TV, there was a while, actually, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I, I jumped off this train just because it got too much of a headache. But I, I think for a while, like if you bought something from Best Buy, you would get three months of Apple TV, like free. And then you could just, you know, just buy something from Best Buy like every three months or whatever, buy a gift card or whatever. And I was doing that for a while. You know, I also had that three year Disney Plus deal, which was a great deal at the time. I like, so one thing that I really wanted to do this past break, which was ultimately replaced by sleeping, was sitting down. And it's not about doing the math on these kinds of deals. It's like, setting a schedule to like remind you, you know, to remind yourself to cancel. And then like, you have to set out the time to like cancel and then like, you know, find the right promo and do all that. And so I didn't have time to sit down and do that. I saw all those promos and, you know, I was like, I was like, Oh, I, I really should do this. And then, you know, I just metaphorically fell asleep and also literally at times I, you know, when we're done talking about this, I do want to go on a rant about, this and cable TV for a little bit, but I, I don't know if you have anything else to close up uh, about you know these promos because they were all really good deals, especially the Hulu one was really tempting. Yeah, and I will say Hulu's and the ads are very annoying. There's a lot of them. I haven't tried Disney Plus with ads yet. I don't use Hulu all that often, so for me to have it as like a backup streaming and I'm now getting it 99 cents a month, that's a no-brainer. But I will say that some of these services with the ads, it may be worth paying if it drives you nuts. Like Hulu legitimately drives me nuts, but I don't watch it very often. So I'm not going to spend the extra 14 bucks a month, but I will do that for services where I spend a lot of time. Cause if you're watching, you know, let's say you're watching something 10 hours a week and you're sitting through, I don't know, for every hour you're sitting through six minutes of ads, but you know, that's a lot. That's an hour of ads a week. You multiply that by year. Is it, you know, is it worth spending 10 bucks a month to save four hours of ads a month? I, something like that, you know? So I, I do weigh that. And some of the services I want to have ad free, so just keep that in mind, but yeah, go on your rant, Joe. Yeah, I totally agree. My rant is that, you know, these streaming services are like, it's just basically cable TV now, except for instead of cable. In fact, you know, I'm at the point where if some stupid service like bundled Disney, like bundled the services from the different you know, like bundled stupid Max and Apple TV, you know, bundle them all together. Like I would probably pay for it, you know, because I just, I just cannot even deal with all these headaches anymore and keeping track. Because the other thing was like when it was like back in the day, back in the day when there was only Hulu, right, then you could deal with these promo coupons and like, you know, sign up and not sign up and all that. But now that it's like we were just talking about for all mankind, by the way, Sean, someone from Someone who works at NASA reached out to me, said, by the way, that aside from making it to the moon, we did basically lose the space race to Russia. So, you know, just want to just want to put that out there. Give a shout out to one of our listeners who does some really cool stuff for NASA. So thank you so much for reaching out. But yeah, 
I got distracted. Oh yeah. So for for all mankind comes up. So I want all, Apple TV. You know, ideally, right? I would cancel. Oh, by the way, I started watching the Monsters show. The the one the, the Godzilla TV show. I can't remember. It's I think it's called Monsters. Whatever whatever it's called. It's it's releasing at the same time as for all mankind. So we could watch that. Then cancel Apple TV. Then sign up for whatever. Like you know, I watch like watching Lower Decks on Paramount Plus. You could like keep doing this, but it's just like, it's like so much time and it's just, it's so frustrating and yeah. Okay. Maybe we're saving a few dollars. I don't even think if you want to watch all the shows you want to watch, like, I don't even think we're saving money on cable anymore. So basically like there was like a couple of golden years where you could cut the cord and you could pay less. But now if you want to watch stuff and you don't, and you, and you don't have the energy to deal with all this nonsense, then you're paying as much as you paid for in cable in the first place. And then on top of that, you're still watching ads. And the last thing about my rant, Sean, is when I was a kid or even in my 20s, I feel like you were like this too. We were used to watching Lost or whatever. And then when the commercial happened, going to the kitchen and doing whatever we need to do, getting back at the right time and like knowing how to do that. Now that we watch everything on our phones, okay, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. Now that we watch everything on our phones, like, you know, we, we don't, we don't have that rhythm of wasting the commercial break doing things. So that is like truly time wasted more so than even when we were younger, because when we were younger, we would use that time to like do things. But now- you know, since we're so lazy, we're the we're the fat guys in Wally. You know, we we just sit there watching the screens and watching the commercials the whole entire time. Okay, rant over. What have they done to us? But we came of age in the, when DVRs were invented, so it was even better because you had lived your whole life with commercials. But then you could suddenly skip them, and with these streaming services, you can't skip the commercials. And that's like I said, oh, my God, Hulu, their commercials are the worst. The only good thing is that finally, you know, back five years ago when you would see a commercial on a streaming service, they would have very little inventory. So they would show you the same commercial over and over and over and over again. And I feel like they've gotten better where you get a varied amount of ads now. So at least you're not seeing the same thing. But, yeah, we're basically back to where we started in the old days. People who are, like, really diligent to get deals, retention offers from cable companies, they could do well. But, like you said, it took a lot of time and energy. And here we are again, time and energy to save a few bucks on streaming services. Probably not all worth it. But it's worth jumping on these deals, these big deals when they come. And then, you know, spend the money elsewhere instead of taking all the time to kind of, you know, nickel and dime it with with TV. But yeah, they. I mean, with so many streaming services, I can see there's a lot of people out there probably paying more than they did before. And I think there's a lot of people out there who have direct TV or cable plus all this stuff too, which is just insane to me because I haven't had that in, I don't know, close to a decade now. So uh, I've been a cord cutter, but I can't even imagine paying $200, $250 a month for some of this stuff. But I do know people who do it. So yeah. Last thing, last thing is YouTube started getting mad about my ad blockers. Sorry, Sean. You know I know that hurts you, uh, but YouTube started getting Blocked. mad about my ad blockers, and so you know, like they, like uh, I might, I might end up paying for a YouTube Premium to to not deal with that. Although I do, I do love the Liberty Bibbity commercials. I've seen that commercial like fifty times, and I still laugh. I feel so dumb um, laughing at those. I don't know the insurance. Cr- I. Maybe it's a maybe it's a function of my age that I'm firmly in the middle age, Sean. But I, I like the insurance companies now. State Farm, Liberty Mutual. You know, I'm, I'm just every time every time an insurance commercial comes on, I smile a little bit and I think, uh, wait, what is? Isn't one of them? We can't help you from becoming your parents. I can't even remember which which company yeah. which which yeah. company that is. I can I can hear the music in my head, but yeah, I, I guess that's what happened. So what can I say? I love me a good insurance commercial. I think you're just a fan of jingles, right? Because that's their big thing on the insurance commercials is the is the jingles. Oh, uh, the her but, version, uh, the her the the version of the nationwide jingle from her. Like, I would legitimately download if she released that as like a track. I would like download that. It, it's so good. Okay, I'm a loser. What can I say? All right, we're way we're way too deep in the streaming conversation. But I will just one last point on YouTube Premium. I had Google Five for a long time, and then I had Premium for free. And then when I canceled Google Five, I lost it. And the difference is night and day. I think YouTube Premium, if you watch a lot of YouTube, totally worth it to get the ads, the experience. You can also like listen to videos as podcasts in the background, which I do sometimes. So I haven't re-signed up for it, but it's those ads are driving me nuts. So I think I'm going to do YouTube Premium again and pay for it. Definitely think that's worth it. 
I did want to talk real quick about Black Friday, all these like portal bonuses that we saw. I think just from I'm kind of heavily into this stuff every year that the portal bonuses were the best this year that we've seen ever. We even saw places like Target go up to 15x on Rakuten. We saw others like Walmart, other retailers, Lego, but there was just a ton of 15, 20x opportunities. Rakuten was off the charts, but even Top Cash Back, I think at one point had 20% for Target. It was hard to keep up with all of this stuff. Last year, I think on Rakuten, I, I earned 350,000 membership rewards through the holiday season. I was like going into this weekend, I was at like 10,000 membership rewards on my Rakuten account. And now I'm at like 170,000. I should go over 200. So I did a lot of shopping, a lot of good deals. What I saw coming out of the weekend was they said that Black Friday spending was up 7.5%. So two things here are people going into more debt than ever? I mean, we know credit card debts are at like these high levels. So people are taking on more debt, but they're still spending like crazy. I did not expect to see the numbers that good. In fact, I, as somebody who sells a lot through this period, I actually expected a slowdown. But、uh, yeah, it seemed like this year was as, I don't know, festive as ever when it comes to shopping. Yeah, I, like, I really thought that there was going to be a drop. And then, you know, I'm sure those articles were floating around about how Amazon started their Black Friday game. Jets suck, by the way, suckers. No one, no, one, no one stayed home to watch it, Amazon. Nice try. But Amazon's plan was to like, have a Black Friday game so people would stay home and not go to brick and mortar stores and buy from Amazon, which I think will probably work in the long run. But you know, it's just them being stupid for putting the Jets on that. No one wants to watch that trash football team. But I, like, I drove by the mall and I was shocked. Like, I really thought that. Black Friday was going to be less of a thing this year. And, you know, it was like overflow parking. You know, it's like it was sunny out. And so, you know, how like when the mall parking lots are like full of cars and it's just like this bright reflection because of the sun reflecting off of all the windshields and stuff like that. Like that's what I saw. And it was just, it, it kind of really blew my mind. I, I like, especially because this year, like I didn't buy anything. You know, I just, I didn't even look. For deals or anything. In fact, the only deals that I actually clicked through and read about were the streaming ones that you discussed. And then today, you know, I was going to bring it up as a podcast topic today, but they're all going to be over by the time this comes out. But like Southwest had a sale, JetBlue had a sale that ends on Wednesday. So today on Cyber Monday, I looked at a couple things. But other than that, I didn't look at anything. But it seems like I am in the minority and a lot of Americans were out shopping just from what you're seeing from your reselling and then, like, I think what we were seeing online. And so people are really into it, even though online, which I guess is another example that social media is not like real life, everyone's complaining about how there's no good deals anymore. It still seems like people are buying a lot of stuff. Yeah, I actually think there were a lot of good deals. And I actually think. Retailers were expecting it to be slower, which is why we saw more good deals and we saw these bigger portal payouts and everything. And I, I think that it was more generous than what I looked compared to the past couple of years. We're also coming out of the COVID. Remember all those Black Fridays during COVID? You didn't have the right supplies. The deals weren't as plentiful. We had all the, you know, all the issues we were going through. So this is more of a normal Black Friday. Maybe last year's was. Approaching normal, but this is a full supply chain normal Black Friday. But I feel like they were expecting it to be slower. We got bigger discounts, and then it just ended up being off the hook. I don't know if that's because of the bigger discounts or not, but I expect through the holiday season we'll continue to see good portal payouts. Well, you can get 20x membership rewards for a purchase on top of what they're already running, like Disney, for example. Like Disney, for example, was 15x on Rakuten. They had their cyber 30% off everything. They had other sales. And so when you're stacking that with just stuff that, you know, I bought a few pieces of clothing because I can't resist myself, Joe. All I do is buy Legos and Disney merchandise, apparently. But, you know, it was like 50% off. And there w a s things on Disney's site that they sell in the parks. And I was getting them for over half off what I would, you know, get them for in the parks, which I never buy sweatshirts in the parks or anything like that. I am the, the one parent who resists all of that stuff. I'm the terrible parent. But yeah, it was a great thing. And what actually happened to me is I ended up spending more. So we're kind of, we're kind of winding down our reselling business over the next couple of years. And because unfortunately, when it's something that's gotten as big as it is, it's not just something we can turn off overnight. And we do have our warehouse. And so I got to keep that full for another year or so. But I wasn't planning on doing a crazy amount of shopping. But I was doing so much because the deals were so big and the discounts were just better than I had expected that I had to do a shout out to Amex here.、I、had to go go to their website and pick up another business gold card with a targeted 150K offer. 
just, you know, I was like, crap, I don't have, I can spend on any of the cards I have, but I can also just get, you know, 10X or, or whatever I'm going to get on this. So I might as well just grab it. And the best thing about Amex, instant card, within the day, like I applied and within that day, I'd already gone through the 10K spend for the 150K. And that's on top of another business goal, 150K that we had done a couple weeks ago and the Blue Business Plus. I also picked up where I applied for the in cash, which went to pending. So I'm not, yeah, I don't have the highest hopes with Chase on that one. But I, at the same time to kind of combine the inquiries, I did that Disney premiere for $400. Now, this isn't a card I really recommend to everybody, but in my case, you know, you can refer people, you can earn up to $500 a month in referrals. In fact, we have a post on the site every year where people can post their referral links. So I expect I'll be able to get some referrals every year. So that should work out to be good. $300 is the normal bonus. It goes up to 400. There is an annual fee on it. I'm still a little torn, but I just grabbed it and said, okay, I'm going to get my Disney money and uh, hope this card goes well. And the best part about it, Joe, is the card art has like Space Mountain, it has Dumbo, it has Pirates of the Caribbean, it's a small world. Like I found the perfect card art for me. So that felt good. Even even basically the only thing I haven't hit the spending on is that Disney card because I haven't gotten it. Everything else is already done, bonus is done. I need to sit down and get more cards to get my spending through the rest of the year. But a good reminder when you're doing your spending this time of year, especially for people who don't like do creative ways to increase their spend, they this is a good time to pick up those sign up bonuses, knock them out and get it all done. And it's always nice when you sign up and it's all done 10K in one day and you earned 150,000 membership rewards. Can't really beat that. Yeah, definitely. And then since we're at the end of the year, the other thing that I really was thinking about doing over the break, but was just too tired to do was, you know, a couple of my platinum cards have hit their annual fees. And so, you know, it's time to cancel them or in Massachusetts, they'll always prorate the annual fee with the other, like if you live in other states, like if you cancel in January, you don't get it back. So like, I'm going to do the math about whether I want to like, you know, bank the JetBlue travel credits or whatever before I cancel. I might not, I might end up not doing it. It's just, it's just like another thing to think about. And January and February are like going to be my busiest month. So I might, I just as soon not have something else to worry about, but you know, I'm going through, so I mentally have like made a checklist of the cards I need to go through that I need to think about whether to cancel or call retention or whatever. But then also, you know, I have to spend the time to physically sit down and, you know, go through them all. But end of the year, it's going to be December. By the time you hear this, it's time to start doing that. So, you know, in with the new cards, out with the old cards. Now it's always a great time to do that. Yeah, that was the one, I think, bad side effect of the Platinum game with all those no lifetime language offers was getting multiples of these and having to keep track of the fees and then, you know, when to downgrade and taking advantage of all of the perks just to make sure that you're getting the value out of the annual fee and stuff. And uh, I have way too many Platinum cards and I have a similar sort of mountain to climb and it's a lot to deal with because you're dealing with multiple cards. And then, like you say, you're having to deal with canceling them or trying to get retention offers. I said previous, I'm not even trying to get retention offers on my platinum cards. I just want to downsize and make it simpler because it has gotten a little bit out of control. And yes, maybe I can do a little bit better by maximizing this or that, but I would rather just not have the card and free up my mental space to do other things and, you know, and keep picking them up as I go. So I totally get with that. And as you get towards the end of the year, I also, you know, those Dell credits, Dell was 15X on Rakuten for Cyber Monday, we should hopefully see that one more time. So what I recommend is if you haven't maximized your Dell credits yet, don't wait past December 15th because you need everything to ship and post and Dell can sometimes take some time, but you know, maybe wait between now and then and see if we get another 10X or 15X before then. But don't wait till like the end of the year for any of your Amex credits. As a reminder, when it posts, if it posts in the new year, it can really mess up your credits. Sometimes you can chat with them and get it fixed. But best thing is get it done in plenty of time, let it credit and not have to worry about it messing with your next year or or anything like that. And I say that because I am somebody who loves to procrastinate, Joe, and I have been known to wait a little bit too long. But the last couple of years, I've been able to get myself on that December 15th sort of kick. I have most of my Dell credits already done, a few still to go. I have a lot of my airline credits too, though. And those are definitely ones you don't want to wait towards, like right at the end of the year, get them done now. I've been doing United Travel Bank. That's worked great. Just used some of my United Travel Bank money for that trip to Costa Rica a few weeks ago. So 
that worked great. I like having that sort of stash of United money. That's the one that works best for me. I've done JetBlue over the years and also Southwest over the years as well with my credits. So uh, yeah, I mean, so much going on. It's funny because you say this will be the beginning of the December by the time this comes out and we'll blink Joe and it'll be the end of the year. And I guarantee you that you and I will both have something that we meant to do by the end of the year that we didn't do. And I'm sure everybody out there as well. And you know, what can you say? Oh, well, Uh, yes, we can say, oh, well, so you are saying, so you said that Dell was 15 X on cyber Monday, but as you and I are recording right now, it is still cyber Monday. So if I want to use my Dell credits, me, Joe Chung, on November 27th, I can and should do it right now, huh? And I should definitely do that before I cancel cancel these Platinums if that's what I end up doing. Yeah, 15X is more rare, so I would, I would guess we're not going to see it again before the end of the year, or at least before when you have to do it. 10X, we probably will see again, but yeah, 15X, always nice to grab that. And one, le- one last thing, this has been like sort of a, a shopping, I don't know, heavy show, but the IRS has some good news for you, Joe. And so many people in this hobby, because while I resell, right? So I sell a lot of things and I'll sell more than $20,000 and I will get a 1099K from places like Amazon or in the past eBay, but I don't do that nearly as much anymore. Uh, But that was going to change to $600. And then that changed things for people in the hobby because a lot of us receive, I mean, just think about portals, right? A lot of my portal payouts, I get paid out via PayPal And then if you hit $600 with PayPal, they were going to give you a 1099. Well, the IRS has said that they're not going to do that this year. They're going to delay it. So they're going to keep the old rule, which was $20,000 and over 200 transactions. So that means you receive $20,000 on PayPal and over 200 transactions, you'll get a 1099. If you don't, that won't be the case. And that's kind of spread across all different places. They are still going to implement this, though, but they're figuring out how to do it with a different cap. And in 2024, they say the threshold will be $5,000 now. Are they just making this up as they go? I thought this was like a a law that was passed, but apparently they can just make up the rules and enforce them however they want. This has a real, real ID feel to it type of situation. I think I've said, you know, Massachusetts good. I'll get my prorated annual fee. Massachusetts bad. I'm getting that. I got that 1099 last year already. Uh, it's it's been anything over 600 for forever, you know. So, or like a year or two. So I, I'm used to that. But like Massachusetts is not the problem, or over whatever. I get 1099. Um, but you know, it it really feels like the whole real ID thing. Like you know, they keep postponing when you're going to need a real like real ID to go through TSA and stuff like that. This 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 really feels like that as well. And if you kind of think about it logically, like the IRS is underfunded and you know, they have problems keeping up right now. They can't, I don't don't know. Do they have the time and energy to uh, send out all these 1099s and deal with all that nonsense? Like I feel like it's just going to cause more work for them than they need. I think the theory is that there's a lot of people earning money and not paying taxes on it, which, you know, we (laughs) being in this hobby a long time, I would say I probably agree with that. But like I said, my business is all registered. I have tax exemptions. I get the 1099. So this doesn't affect me because I'm at a level uh, where it wouldn't. But I'm going to get the 1099 either way. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there who get it. And just as a reminder, I guess technically, legally, if you don't get a 1099 and you make income, you're supposed to still report it to the IRS. But I guess in reality, most people are thinking if the 1099 doesn't get sent to them, you know, it's going to be less scrutiny or they're going to get away with it or I don't know. So like I said, I haven't really operated in that way. I report everything and it just all goes through my businesses, which is simpler for me. But I think there's a lot of people in this hobby. Let's just put based on some private conversations I've had that are breathing a sigh of relief with this and hope it is the real ID situation where they just keep postponing it uh, over and over again. But even that $5,000 limit, I think, is a much more common sense thing. $600 was, I mean, you're talking about such a wide net that we're talking about just normal people. You know, you sell one set of concert tickets because you because you decided to get, you couldn't go or you got sick. Now you're getting a 1099 from StubHub. You know, that's how low the threshold was. So I think that maybe they're considering trying to find something that both helps them raise tax revenue, but also isn't like just catching every single person in the country with a 1099. 
Yeah, we'll see next year. I would not be surprised if uh, it gets postponed again. And yeah, I think it just makes things a lot easier for people. And and I get it. Like even if you're not doing anything nefarious, like I remember, you know, technically when I would sell like tens of thousands of do- sell and resell tens of thousands of dollars of gift cards and make a profit of like thirty dollars on it or whatever, you know, because you're mostly doing like at cost or even at loss deals like technically you have a 1099 for that and it's just like another thing on your i've gotten used to it by now because i do report all that stuff but because you should because that's the law but you know i i used to be like oh man they're gonna it's gonna look so weird and i'm gonna get audited and maybe i will one day but you know i got used to it it's it's kind of like you know that first time you call for a retention offer you feel like you're doing something wrong or something or cuz cuz you're not used to it or whatever and and you ultimately get used to it but but it was still like it was and is still a huge pain although I don't resell gift cards anymore to like keep track and like have all the you know cuz cuz you don't send in all your books to the IRS but you have to have them somewhere so that you can justify whatever number you should put on and that that was always a huge pain to reconcile all that yep the joys of running a business or the pains of running a business all that good stuff that this hobby has brought us, Joe. So I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Chicago for some special stuff that we are going to talk about next week. So some big news I'm assuming, I don't really know, but it should be something worth covering on the show next week. And then we have our meetup, our diamond meetup in Orlando next weekend. So I'll be hanging out at Epcot, drinking around the world with everybody. I think we have a, a good group coming for that. So I'm, I'm excited for this week. But Chicago, Joe, it's so cold. I don't know how you deal with it. I'm not looking forward. It kind of sucks because I got I got a pack for Chicago and then I'm going right to Orlando. And so, you know, I'm carry on only. So it's going to be very difficult to kind of maneuver the different types of clothes I'm going to need uh, for the trip. But stay tuned to the show next week. I think uh, we'll have some fun stuff to cover. I'm sure you'll make it work. I'm sure you'll make it work. And yeah, looking forward to it. So that's going to do it for this show. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. If you're planning a trip, cruise or Disney trip with cash, you can email me, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net with an M. What about you, Sean? At Miles to Memories all over social media, all of our posts, podcasts, videos at milestomemories.com. We still have the Vegas YouTube about to hit 50K or, well, we're at like 47,000 subscribers. We're trying to hit 50K. Head over there, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Help us out with that. I hope you had a great thanksgiving a great black friday and i hope this holiday season is great to you guys as well both on the miles and points earning side and on the personal side i hope you get some great trips and have some great family time and we will be back next week with a new show thanks so much for listening talk to you next time see you